Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you, Carol? Hey, what's up? It is October 1st, 1994. Halloween's coming up. We saw something today that has a Halloween feel to it, I think. Yeah. It's not a Halloween movie, but it has that Halloween feel to it. I agree. It definitely does. But things that don't have a Halloween feel to it, the news. <laughs> now, we've got a few items in the news here. The, uh, the Walt Disney Company is going to find another site uh, near the nation's capital for a theme park, a historic theme park that they are planning on building. Huh. Originally, they were going to, I don't know if you heard about this, but they, they had 300 acres near the Shenandoah foothills uh, near the Civil War battlefield of Manassas. No, I did not even And they were going that. to put the historic theme park there. I never even heard they were going to make a historic theme park. That's very interesting. Yeah. And so, the, you know, there were protesters that said, hey, you know, you're kind of trampling over history. These are historic battlefield sites. Right. And they didn't like that. So Disney has said that they're going to move it. A biographer, David McCullough... Uh, he's the spokesman for the group of historians and writers who rallied against the project. And he said uh, Disney made a very responsible and patriotic decision by uh, bending to our will, basically. <laughs> so, so now they're going to look for a new, a new site for that. So good luck to them. Right. Hopefully they find something. Uh, have you seen the sitcom Something Wilder? No. Starring Gene Wilder. It's uh, it's not getting very good reviews. It's one of the, it's one of NBC's rare misses, I guess, as far as sitcoms go. Hmm. Because I watched an episode of it, and I love Gene Wilder, that original Charlie and the Chocolate Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Right. You know, a great, great movie. It is. And I, uh, I, I love him a lot, but this is not. <laughs> it's not good. It's, it's him and a him and a wife and two kids, and all it is is a painful reminder of uh, what might have been had uh, Gilda Radner not di- not died of cancer. So wow, yeah, that's that's all it is for me. That's uh, that's pretty dark. Poor Gene Wilder, and poor Gilda Radner, I guess. But you know, she's she's not around anymore to feel bad for her, I guess. Well, if if she died, I mean, I would feel bad for her, yeah. She did die. Okay, then. <laughs> you don't remember that Gilda Radner's dead? I don't even remember who Gilda Radner is. She was on Saturday Night Live. Okay. Saturday Night Live! <laughs> Starring Mike Myers. Um, so... You you are aware of because this is this is a local story. You know I love a good a good local news story. Always. This is the the Motown Historical Museum. Oh. Hitsville, USA. Okay. You're familiar with it, right? Mm-hmm. I believe it's on West Grand Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they are clo- they're closing right now because they're doing some restoration. Okay. 
It's going to reopen next May. Have you ever been there? Yeah, I've been to Hitsville, USA. Have you? No. From Motown downtown on West Grand River in Hitsville, USA. I have not been there. Gladys and the Marvelettes. And the hunter gets captured by the game. Alrighty. Um, <laughs> when they reopen, though, I'd like to go. We should do that. Yeah, it's 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 a very it's very interesting. So there's a lot of you know there's obviously there's a Jackson Five, Michael Jackson stuff. There's a stuff from the Temptations. There's stuff from Dinah Ross and the Supremes. There's a lot of a lot of stuff. Cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, and that's I mean that's basically it for the news. There's another story about the about some singers being on the Disney Channel and stuff like that. Peter Gabriel's got a new box set. So does The Who. The Who is still coming out with music, I guess. Wow. Isn't that drummer dead? Yeah, I was going to say, they're they're in some denial if they're still coming out with new stuff. Yeah, I think, uh, what's his name? Their, their drummer is dead. And... Boy George? <laughs> what? <laughs> No, that's really far away from it. Okay. So Boy George was popular in the the mid-80s, about 10 years ago. Right. And was the lead singer of Culture Club. Oh, he that was, was it. the okay. one that dressed like like a woman, kind of. Right. Uh, no, that wasn't their drummer. Their drummer... He had eyeliner like Ricky. Yes, exactly. But no, their drummer was... It did start with a B. I just can't think of his name off the top of my head. Uh, oh. I keep wanting to say Bono, but that's obviously that's no. the dude from U2. Right. It's, oh my gosh, what was his name? He's a really good drummer, too. But, I don't know. But dead. I mean, not much of a good drummer anymore. <laughs> yeah, you have to not be dead to be a good drummer. That reminds me of a joke that my dad always says. So he's like, uh, talking about Sid Abel, the... Uh, the Red Wings' old goaltender, and he'd be like, "Oh, you know, if if, if Sid Abel was uh, on the team today, he wouldn't be any good." And I, said, I, said, I said, "You don't think so?" He goes, "No, he's been dead like twenty years." <laughs> <laughs> Silly Willie. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Keith Moon—that's what it is. Oh, okay. Doesn't start with a uh, with a B at all. No, it does not. Keith Moon—that was the name of their their drummer. Very good drummer, but dead. And then, but I mean, uh, and John Entwistle's still alive, and so is uh, Townsend. Okay. And obviously, because they're releasing new stuff. Roger Daltrey. They would have to be alive for that. Yep. So, so He's... we have established that the Who, well, not their drummer, who is not Boy George, are still alive. Yes, the rest of the Who is still alive. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, so but their but their music seems not relevant now. No, for sure. I'm not yeah. I liked I not, and not I like the anymore. Who. I like the Who. But they're old and they yeah, need they to should. like just let it go. Exactly. The what they've the their oeuvre to this point, what they've put out to this point is enough. You have now Seated enough of your music to the world, and that's it. You don't Retire. Need, don't need to do anymore. Retire. Exactly. I think Roger Daltrey's and... acting, I believe. Whatever. Uh, anyway, so 
we watched some stuff. We did. What do you want to talk about first? You choose this time. Let's talk about Freons first. Freons? Yeah. What in the frick are you talking about? Freons? Friends. Like I'm from the South. You are so weird. What is wrong with you? There's no way to pronounce friends wrong. Friends. I'm trying to think about like what chemical is that? Oh like, my, oh my friends. Freon. Freon. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that antifreeze? No, no. Freon is a is the yeah, it's the chemical in in uh, refrigerators and stuff. Uh-huh. Antifreeze is completely different. But they're both cold. Uh, antifreeze actually prevents things oh, from getting never cold. Never mind. Freon makes things cold. <laughs> There's also Freon in, in our air conditioners. Okay. How about in our cars? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a different process, but yes. Sorry. So, friends, you were saying. But yes, they use Freon in the cars. But Freons, yeah. Friends. I'm a friends. I will step on you. <laughs> I'm. What if I was from North Carolina? But you're not. But if I was from North Carolina, I'd say my friends. Yeah, we but. Watch, we watch friends. But you're not. <laughs> And I don't think they would either. If I was from Georgia, I'd talk like this and I'd say we washed off friends. You see how the, there's differences in the, in the uh-huh. southern accents? Okay, so we watched Friends. Yes, very good. F period, R period, I period, E period, N period, D period, S period. That does not stand for anything. It should be the Friends names. I'm telling you, if they were going to do that... Then there should be a Frank, there should be a Rosalind, there should be an Ida, there should be an Enid, there should be a Ned, there should be a Diane, and there should be a Sam. I will stop on him, guys. It's okay. Just give me time. It will happen. I'll get our revenge. <laughs> I'm just saying that they should do that. Anyway, so in this episode, there's a couple plot lines going on. So Rachel... The 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 bratty one, the mm-hmm. spoiled one. Gen- Jennifer Aniston. Oh, yeah, that's her name. Okay. She needs to give the ring back to Barry. Yep, and then... He does kind of look like Mr. Potato Head. He does. Yeah, he, like, he, he does look a little bit like Mr. Potato Head. He's got that, I don't know, there's some weird thing about him. Yeah, well, I mean, part of it, I think, is that he's, like, balding, and his shape of his head is very much like an egg or a potato. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, But he's a dentist, and... Oral surgeon. He's got a kid in the the chair and everything. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I thought she said oral surgeon. I don't know. Anyway. Dentists dentists make good money, though. Well, yeah, they're all doctors, but, I mean, there's a difference. Are they? Yes. I thought they just went to dental school. I, I believe dentists have a doctorate in dental medicine. I thought it was like a specialty. Like I think, okay, so there's DDS, which right. is doctorate in dental surgery? Right, or, or de- dental science. Maybe dental sciences, maybe so, that's what so it is. The, I'm not saying they're a medical doctor, but they're a doctor. Yeah. What do you call uh, someone that drops out of medical school? A dentist. <laughs> Got him. Got the dentists. All um, that pain you give us, you guys deserve some pain of your right. own. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, he's he's something. He does things with teeth. I think he's a dentist. 
Okay. I think he also can do surgery. You know how some of the dentists are qualified to also do surgery? Sure. I think that's what he is. Okay. Because I think he's just doing a cleaning or something for that kid. He said the kid would be there for hours. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. There's a lot of funny jokes in that. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is that Ross is at work. So we see him at work. He is a paleontologist and he works at a museum. Uh-huh. And so we see him at work for the first time and his ex-wife, Carol, shows up and lays a reveal on him. Yep. She is pregnant. And he freezes in position, standing next to a caveman, exactly the same as the caveman. Right, yes. I don't know if I love that joke, honestly. Eh, It was a little easy. Yeah. I'll tell you, okay, so this show, you know, we're only on episode two. This show is funny, but it's like, it's like shotgun funny. Okay. So, or, or machine gun funny. Okay. There is, it's, it's joke. You know, just imagine Rambo with an M16 just raking from, from left to right. Just joke. You know. I, I don't agree, but okay. No, no, no. I, that, you don't agree? I think that's what it, it's it's and it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just there are so many jokes in the show. It's just like every scene is joke 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 joke. Some of them, most of them, are very clever and funny. Some of them are bad sight gags. There are some that fail, and I think this is one of the ones that fail. But they, I think anytime you've got that that many as many jokes as this show crams in then some of them are going to be not great. I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to like really like pay attention next time we watch it because it didn't feel that way to me. It doesn't feel that way because the writing's so good. That's why, it's not, that's why it's not a condemnation of the show. It doesn't feel that way because the plot is woven in such a way that it all meshes together. It's, it's almost beautiful. It's like a beautiful tapestry of the way they... They mesh and merge the story in with all these jokes they're writing at the same time. It's truly, and I don't mean to be so effusive in my praise, but it's, it's truly an amazing feat of how they're, they're doing this. You know, it's, it's interesting how they're blending the plot and these jokes and making them feel, making them feel naturalistic to the conversation in the whole thing. It's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. But... So, yeah, she's pregnant. So, that tells me that they were having sex. They were getting down somewhat close to when he broke up. I have a suspicion. And she was a lesbian. And she's, uh, she is a lesbian. Yeah, what? what's up? I think that they had they tried a threesome. Oh. I, I think that she probably suggested a threesome with her and with him and Susan. Maybe even phrasing it as though it was for him. Because she wanted to try it out. Wow. And maybe that is what caused her. So that's how she got a lesbian. But that's how, well, so I, now here's the question. Was she always a lesbian? Well, okay. Are we going to really get into that? Like, I just mean that was what tipped her over into the realization or admitting or choosing to live as a lesbian. I don't really want to get into did, was she born a lesbian or when she became, you know, no, I'm sorry I said it that way. 
I didn't mean to like open that can of worms. <laughs> okay. Okay. But anyway, so let's not get anything interesting on the show. Well, no, uh, I'm just, no. I, I'm not, I mean, you know, I don't have a wrong time about things, but I'd rather focus on the episode. Yeah. So that's a very interesting point. So she could have conceived during a threesome. Interesting. Does that make it? Does that make it more of Susan's or, or Susan's his wife? More of what's the other one's name? Is Susan the wife? Yeah. No, Carol's. No, Carol. Carol. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Carol's is the, is the ex-wife. Does that make it more of Susan's child than it would otherwise? Hmm. Kind of because she was there for it, right? Kind of. Yeah. I didn't in, think in a of weird that. way. But anyway, so she's pregnant, and she, you know, Ross comes back, tells his sister Monica and everyone that Carol's pregnant. And just in case you just tuned in, Carol's not pregnant. No, no. The character <laughs> on the show, Carol, is pregnant. But anyway, so he says, well, they said that, you know, I can, they want me to be a part of it if I want to be. Basically, they left it up to him that you can be a part of this if you want to be. Right. So, and if you remember in last last episode when uh, he, he says that he got them, he's like, "What did you get?" Because she got all the furniture and stuff. She's like, "I I got you guys." Mm. Who said that? Why you keep saying she? Hmm. She Carol. Carol said what? Carol got all the furniture and stuff, and Ross got the friends. Yeah. He said that last episode, and like this yeah. time around, like you you mentioned, Phoebe kind of reinforced it. When she's like... Yeah, she said, I miss her. She's so great, I miss her. Yeah, so clearly she was friends with all of them as well. Right. So weird. So, yeah, because you know how it is like that when two people... I mean, you know, obviously no one's married, you know, in, in our school or anything, obviously, but people date, and when they break up... If your friend, if they're all, if they're if they're both friends with you know a group of people, mm-hmm. that you do need to people do need to make choices. Do I go with him? Do I go with her? Yeah, I guess it it happens for sure. It happens. I don't think it has to. I don't think it always does. I mean, I think that's the norm. You you always with your exceptions. Oh, but this time, and I know this person, and you know. Well, I just I I, I don't like to look at the world as black and white. <sighs> <laughs> you and your nuance. Um, anyway, but, so he. Uh, so we'll go back to uh, to Rachel. I'm trying to remember exactly how this was this was structured, but she goes to see Barry and give him the ring back, and he lays a bomb on her. Yep. That he. She said, "Oh, you look tan." So he's looking more like Mr. Potato because he's, mm-hmm. he's getting that brown. <laughs> he's got that that nice uh, potato skin. Yeah, he's been in the oven for a while. <laughs> uh, and so he's... Oh, now I want a baked potato. <laughs> it's fun when you cook it just right. It gets all fluffy in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's good. With the butter and the sour cream. Right. Okay. A salt. Mm, okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm hungry. Anyway, so... He says that he went to Aruba. And she goes, oh, you went on on our honeymoon alone. Yeah, in this, like, pitying voice, too. Oh, you can tell he enjoys what comes next. He's like, oh, no, no, not alone. He went with her maid of honor. Mm-hmm. So that must have been, like, her best friend. Then. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, my Mindy, my maid of honor, Mindy. My best friend, Mindy. 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 So Mindy 
was uh, <laughs> Mindy is a slut. Yeah, Mindy was getting down in Aruba. I think Mindy was getting down before Aruba. Do you? Yeah. You think they were cheating? Yeah. Babe. Yeah. Okay, if, like, I'm standing up in my friend's wedding, Mm -hmm. and she backs out, I'm running out with her. I'm driving the getaway car. Uh I am not going on the honeymoon with the groom, unless I have a pre-existing relationship with that dude. Well, what if she always had a crush on him, though? What if she always liked him? She never acted on it. She never said anything to him, but she always kind of liked him. I guess. I think she's a terrible friend. Well, I don't think she's the greatest friend in the world, but still, it's also a free trip to Aruba. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you know, you gotta go down on Mr. Potato Head. (laughs) (laughs) But still, might be worth it. Anyways. (laughs) Oh, no. Bad visuals. Bad visuals. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sour cream. It's so funny, though, because (laughs) prior to this, okay, Ross and Rachel were talking, and he has already been through the gut punch that is the visit from Carol. Right, yeah. And he advises Rachel, don't look too good, because Carol looked good when he saw her, and it made it hard for him. She is cute. Yeah. Um, Are you a lesbian? (laughs) The way you said that. <laughs> I don't know if it was her. I might be. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so she, he's like, you know, don't don't look too great. So she would it be weird to have a threesome? Like, so so you just listen. Yes, it would be weird to have a threesome. You and me and another girl, right? Yeah. Would it be weirder if her name was also Carol? Yeah. Because this person's name is Carol. The character's name. I mean, obviously not the actress, but the character's name is Carol. So I got that got me thinking on that. Look, would it be weird if you were both Carol? Yeah, because then I wouldn't know whose name you were moaning. <laughs> <laughs> you like that idea? <laughs> no, it's just I was thinking. <laughs> like uh, I don't want to say your last name, but if I was like. Oh, Carol C. Carol C. I'm talking about Carol C. <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up. Um, what were we talking about? Now I'm all derailed. I'm thinking about Mr. Potato Head and threesomes and yeah. <laughs> He's she, she was, he was advising Rachel not to look too Right. Good. So after she finds out that he's been on the honeymoon with Mindy, then she's all like... Fixing her hair and putting on makeup, like when he had to leave the oh, room. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, he got called to the room for a second. She's like checking her reflection in the like lamp and stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's what I'm talking about. Where the, there's these jokes, like sight gags or 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 written out jokes or whatever. They're just they're they're all over yeah. the place, and but they're woven in with what's going on. It's like a brilliant thing. That's like. That brings back the conversation from earlier. It's a it's a great callback. It's a joke. You know, that's it's really well written. But so yeah, I mean, and that's basically it. She gives him the ring back, and then there's a, a thing at the end of the episode. But I mean, that's basically her plot line, right? And with him, he goes to the OBGYN appointment, mm-hmm. and. They're doing, you know, they're looking for the heartbeat and, and all that stuff and, and basically kind of going over everything. But before the doctor comes in, they have a conversation about, you know, they're, they're talking about different things. It's Susan. 
and Carol and Ross. And they, I think he mentions names. Like, what are we thinking of for names or something? Right. Yeah. And (laughs) she says, Minnie. Mm, That's such a terrible name. Oh, it's awful. Minnie. And then what was, oh, Helen was another suggestion. Yeah. And he goes, no, Helen's not good. Helen Geller. And then they're like, what's wrong with Helen? He's like, Helen Geller? (laughs) Because it sounds like Helen Keller. Right. Because that's his last name. And they were like, oh, it's not going to be Helen Geller. And he says, Helen Bunch, because that's apparently Carol's maiden name. Right. And she says, well, we were thinking Helen... I don't know what Susan's Wilk. last name is. Wilk. Bunch Wilk, I think, or Wilk, Wilk's Bunch. Wilk's, Wilk's Bunch, yeah. yeah. I think that's what it's Wilk's. Wilk's Bunch. And he says, why am I not in there? Right. You know, because, you know, I, I should have uh, credit or whatever. And I totally agree with him. They act like he's being completely unreasonable. Right. That's his kid biologically. Yeah. It's his and Carol's. And he's there. He's going to be part of it. Yeah. Susan might be, you know, a stepmom or or whatever you want to call her. And, and yes, she'll help raise the child and she'll be an important factor in the child's life. And she'll be like a mom or, or whatever. But biologically, it's it's his and Carol's. Yeah. And if anyone's... I'm not saying they can't use her name, but if anyone's name should be in there, it, it should be his too. Agreed. So I think he was totally justified, and, and they're just being psychopaths. They are. They are being really mean to him. At, and at some point, he got so fed up, he's about to leave. Yeah, he was like, you know, I don't think I can handle this. I can't be part of this particular family. Uh-huh. But then... And then we hear the heartbeat. Yeah. And he stops. How far along is she, by well, the way? Why do you think that they can only hear that far along? No, I, they, they, you can definitely hear the heartbeat somewhat early, I think. But then at the end of the episode, as the credits are going on and everything, we see them watching a videotape mm-hmm. of the sonogram, and you can see the baby moving. It looks pretty big. Well, I mean, it could be. She could be a few months along and not be showing yet. I'm pretty sure, though, that when the baby looks like that, that I, that you're really showing that it's close. Well, I don't know. You don't really know either. I mean, it's not like we have well, right. a ton of experience here. But I mean, you know, they 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 take um, creative license on television. So yeah, I guess they do. I, I, I'm gonna assume that she. I mean, because she's obviously not showing. Right. So she can't be that far along. Uh huh. But yeah. So and then uh, Rachel calls Mindy. Mm-hmm. And what does she do? She says she hopes that um, if they have kids, they get her old nose and his old hairline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Because he got he got hair plugs. Yeah. And Mindy's gotten her nose job. You know. Uh... <laughs> what are you laughing at? Now? I'm thinking of a joke because we were talking about nose jobs. Uh huh. You know. Uh, so you know what happens. When a Jewish man uh, walks into a wall with a full erection, what he breaks his nose. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow, that took me a minute. It, yes, ew, it did. that's gross. 
What's gross about it? Him breaking his nose? Because that means he has a tiny penis. Well, I think I think really the joke is more a commentary on how big a Jewish person's I nose is. No, but I mean, think about. It. I mean, the biggest nose it'd still be a tiny penis. Yeah. It's sad, really. It is sad. <laughs> but you know, they have to have decent sized penises because they got to go through that sheet. <laughs> Another ethnic, uh, another ethnic group uh, completely slammed here on Massive Late Fade. Right. Last week it was the Polish people. <laughs> Next week, Ethiopians, watch out. <laughs> anyway, so that was France for oh, don't for I swear to week. God. Now we also watched another show, quickly becoming one of my favorite shows on TV. My so-called life. Yeah. So, Carol, why don't you take us through the plot of my so-called life? Okay. So for my so-called life, mm-hmm. um, this week. Yeah. Oh, you don't remember? We just watched it very recently. I know. So it was a substitute teacher. That was it. Thank you, the substitute teacher. Okay. Yeah. There you um, go. Now you, now you got it. I just kept thinking about the zit. I just kept remembering her having a zit, and I'm like, that was last week. Why can't I think of what this week is? Okay. So, uh, Mr. Racine, yes, the substitute teacher. If you remember from last week, I don't know if we mentioned this on the show. I think we might have skipped past it. but We probably did. Um, they actually did show that she had this class that there was no teacher. Yeah. The the principal came? Was it the guidance counselor? Somebody the had come in. The guidance counselor showed up. Yeah. And like, where is your teacher? And they're like, uh, they quit weeks ago, you know? You know, it's funny. Okay, so there's so many funny things about this. First of all, that this teacher quit and no one knew. Right. And the teacher apparently didn't tell anybody. And also that they just decided that they were going to stay in class. Yeah. They don't leave. Right. Like, I wouldn't show up to that. I'd go do something else. But maybe it took them a while to figure out that the teacher wasn't going to show up, you know? But still, it's been weeks. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why they would just go sit in there. But yeah, they're like listening to music, like partying. It's like a cra- yeah. crazy lunchroom hour, but with I mean, no I guess, yeah, I guess, lunchroom monitors. So. I guess maybe it's fun to be in that class. Yeah. I don't know. The only people who looked like they weren't having fun were uh, Angela and Brian. and uh, Crackhead, yeah. Crackhead's never having fun. Yeah. Even Jor- Jordan didn't look like he was having fun either. Jordan's always thinking about new band names. <laughs> um. So they they get a substitute teacher for this crazy out of control class, and he's he's he talks like this, and he's very you know it's, <laughs> it's almost a British accent, but not quite. He he's a very as her dad calls him, he's very cool. He's a cool teacher. Yeah, but um, he's I mean he's actually he's decent looking, but it's it. He, oh, is he? Yeah, he is. Um, and it's more than that though. But you can tell Angela gets a big crush on him because he's just you know like dramatic and insightful and you know and he wears one black sock and one white sock right what a what a free spirit yeah the kids are very very uh excited about that it's, <laughs> for some reason you know if, you, if you've seen dead poet society oh you know like it's like that yeah so um he says you know like what what does he say he's like playing playing game is kind of almost like mind games where he's just like well i'm just here to get paid Mm -hmm. 
and you know you guys can do whatever you want basically mm-hmm. yep. and jordan says to him oh so i could just leave and he's like yeah leave or if you don't want to be here leave yeah. so he starts to walk out he's like but we will be discussing you in your absence he's basically saying like we're gonna make fun of you right you so. piece of shit so he, he manages to get him to stay, and then Brian, and everybody wants to kill him for this, oh, yeah. brings up what they have previously done in this class, which was writing, um, like, it looks like ex- excerpts. <laughs> like excerpts. Short stories, poetry, like... It's poetry. Articles. Well, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's for, like, this lit thing that they do in their high school every year. The Liberty Lit, and yeah. it's poems. It's all poems? Yes. Okay. So they each had written a poem for this thing that the teacher never graded or gave them credit for. And Brian tells him... She went running off with, uh, I don't know. Brian tells him where to find them. Yeah. And says, you know, maybe you could at least read them so we get credit for them. Right. So he spends the entire class period just letting them do whatever they want, sitting there, and he sits there and reads quietly to himself all these essays, or poems, I mean. I think that's so weird. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, basically calls them garbage. Yeah. He says they're uninspired and insipid. Right. And throws them out the window. Yep. He also says to Jordan, what are these words that I'm using? Mm -hmm. You know, and he's like, he goes through all, you know, he goes through all these different words and he's like, what are they? Not verbs, not nouns. And he's like, adjectives. He's like, yeah, adjectives. He's like, don't play dumb with me. I'm on to you. Like, he's basically acting like, like Jordan's the smartest kid in the class. Well, I mean, the thing is, apparently he is smart, but, you know, I mean, the, uh, we'll get to... Remains to be seen. We'll get yeah. to the bombshell. According to this teacher, he thinks he's smart. Now, he read whatever it is that Jordan did. We don't know what Jordan did. Yeah. So that might have given him some kind of insight. Jordan might have, uh, might, might be drawing pictures, drawing pictures. <laughs> but they were the smartest, most beautiful pictures. It was a pictorial of, uh, his ideas. But I mean, it's so weird, because, okay, I'll just, I'll just throw it out there that, like, we, we find out in this episode Jordan can't read. Yes. The teacher actually so tells... presumably he can't write. Right. And the teacher actually tells Angela's dad that, which I think is so inappropriate. Yeah, it's weird. Um. It's almost like he's ranting to himself. But, it, but her Jordan dad's there. there yeah. Angela's dad, yeah. Angela's dad's there. So Jordan's dad doesn't exist. He 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 starts paying special attention to Jordan. I don't. Yeah, and I wonder too. Like what what made him hone in on this kid? That's the only thing I can think is is like he just knew it because he he read what he wrote. So but he what probably could he have written. If he can't read, he can't write. What could he have written? Well, he either didn't have a paper there. Or it was really hieroglyphics. Well, or maybe it was like second grade level writing. Ugh. I mean, maybe like so he can read a little bit? Right. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. So it was Dick and Jane. Or maybe he just copied something. Maybe. Maybe he went to a book, had no idea what any of it meant, and just copied maybe. something down. That's totally possible. I, I've never, like, I can read. And I don't know if it, I, I don't know of anyone that can't read that's not you know a, a young child. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. I've never thought about what, but I know that there are people that are illiterate out there that somehow make it through school. And I've never thought about what methods they might use to to do that to get through school. Right. But I could see that. I could see somebody plagiarizing, like plagiarizing, being part of it, just copying something that they see in a book. They don't know what it means because they can't read, but they know it's a poem. Right. So they just copy it. 
They're like, let's say to go to a librarian, uh, where's a book of poems? And then you just randomly pick one. Wow. Because you can kind of tell where it starts. Yeah. And then just copy it. Yeah, you could do that. But, I mean, whatever it was that they were doing, because he has Jordan staying after class with him and stuff, and, like, you know, whatever he's doing, he figures out that he cannot read. But he acts like he can. He hadn't addressed it, head on, you know, head on, because he even, like, gave him, like, the first time he gave him a book. Yes. And, you know, he's like, what, God, what did he say to him when he gave it to him? He's like, oh, you left this behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yes, you did. Right. <laughs> like, he's trying to get him to read it. And then, um, when they're talking about a haiku. Yeah. He wants him to figure out what the haiku, you know, he, he asks yes. him, is this poem a real haiku? Right. And he doesn't know. So he throws him a book to figure it out. He's like, look it up. He probably didn't, probably couldn't. He probably figured out maybe then that he couldn't. Maybe. But, maybe that's when he found out. But even then, even then, he, um, he gave him a book of haikus. Right. And said, and a bit getting frustrated with him, you know, read all of these haikus. They're 17 syllables each. Five, seven, five. Five, seven, that's five. What, that's what it says. Twelve. No, 17. Um, that's yeah. what a haiku is, five, seven, five. Yeah. Um, so that's not a lot of syllables. <laughs> so read them. But then when he walks out of the room and he's all mad and he's like, like you said, ranting to himself, he's like, no one has bothered to figure out that that incredibly bright boy hasn't quite learned how to read. Right. So if he knows he hasn't learned how to read, why is he telling him to read haikus? That doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Is he trying to get him to admit it? Is he, I don't know exactly what he's doing, but. And it never gets to pay off either. Whatever it is he's doing. Not in this episode. I mean, maybe it's something they'll bring up later. I don't know. Yeah. They did that with... with. I mean, this is one of those shows where it seems like things that happened in the previous episode actually matter. Because she was in the car with Jordan, that one episode with right. the fake ID. And then that became a plot point for another episode. Yeah. Where, you know, everyone said oh, full sex in the car, you know, and everything. Yeah. And stuff. So maybe, maybe that stuff will... You know, maybe we'll continue with the storyline of yeah. not being able to read. I, I mean, I hope that we do, and I think that we will, but it's just that whatever the teacher was, was going to doing do. yeah. got interrupted. Yeah. Yes, because, okay, so he throws everyone's work out the window mm-hmm. and then says, you know, we're going to start over. And he basically says that it's got to be raw and real and, and honest and everything, which, you know, the things that he's saying is true. I mean, good writing is is above all else honest. Yeah. That's the most, that's the most important rule of writing is honesty. For sure. So they, you know, they start writing these things. So they all write new poems and he, he says they can be, they have to be anonymous. So no one puts their name on them. Mm -hmm. And when they're done, he just gathers them all in a basket and has everybody draw out somebody else's poem to read. And there's one poem in particular that stands out because it's dirty. <laughs> That's oh, where yeah. the haiku thing comes from. It's a haiku for him. Correct. Talking about having sex in the basement. But it's not an actual haiku. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and that's disturbing to me. Why is it dis- why, why is that disturbing to you? Well, because she seems so smart, the, the girl that wrote it. Yeah. Why doesn't Ran. she know what a... No. Why doesn't she know what a haiku is? No, it was the old best friend. I think she knows what a haiku is. Sharon. Oh, is that her name? Yeah. She's sharing that guy. <laughs> um, 
or sharing herself, I guess. Right. Um, but I think she knows what a haiku is. It's just a, a snappy title, maybe. Yeah. Okay. But she writes a dirty poem, and the the one line is uh, "tasting my juicy sweetness." Is like seems to be the the line that gets everybody all on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the class, Rayanne is the one who says, "Who, by the way, Rayanne's not even in this class." No, she's not. But she starts sitting in on the class. Yeah. So does uh, Ricky. A bunch of people. Like, yeah. the, the the amount of people in that room is insane. Everybody suddenly wants to be in this class because this, this teacher is is different than yeah. other teachers. So she's like, so are you going to publish it? Will you still publish it, even though it's not a real haiku? Right. And Which means Rayanne knows what a haiku is, too, by the way. Right. And um, he said, yeah. Yeah, I don't see why not. Like. Right. But you can see him hesitate for just a second. Like, he knows, he knows that this is going to be a problem. Yeah. And he tries to do it anyway. Now, Angela's parents. Right. They, they are the printers because they yeah. own some printing company. They own, that's, that's the company that the mom took over for the dad, for yeah. her, for the grandpa was a printing press. Right. So they apparently published this lit thing the year before and are supposed to be publishing it again this year. Right. And she sends the dad to pick up the submissions and they read them all. Yeah, which is weird by the way, because they're just printing it and they're anonymous. So they don't know which one's Angela's. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, he said, don't, you know, don't worry about it. Don't sign your name to it. Yeah, it does. I guess it, it does free people up to be more honest. Yeah, for sure. Angela's, I guess we should point out real quick. Yeah. Is about her li- a girl living in a gingerbread house. And she's asleep all the time. She wakes up and she sees that the candy's moldy and her dad blows her a kiss and the the house blows down and everything blows down. And she's walking along the street and she sees that all the people are made of paper, mm-hmm. that they're like paper dolls. And she blows them all a kiss goodbye and they all... They all float away, basically. Yeah, it was re- it was really good. It was really good and disturbing and sad. And... Yeah, it's the best one, I think. Yeah, because it, it it's it uses really good imagery. As, as somebody says, as somebody says in the class, because they laugh, and he's like, "Well, you think it's funny or something?" And she's like, "Well, it doesn't make any sense." And he goes, "No, but it does better than make sense. It makes you feel right," which is. What good writing is supposed to do, especially poetry. It's yeah, it's supposed to elicit an emotional response. So, so yeah, it, it's it's good. It's it's one of those rare instances where a TV show or a movie takes something creative like that. Like if you ever see like a movie within the movie, it's always a crappy movie or like a TV show within a TV show. It always sucks. Yeah, because if it was good, it would just be an, its own TV show right. or its own movie. So it's one of those rare instances where the writer of the show actually wrote a good poem <laughs> to put in the show. Yeah. So um, it's funny to me, too, that her parents are so worried, and they are so worried about whether or not she's the one that wrote the the dirty poem. And it was just like last episode or the episode before that that she's told, I think it was last episode, yeah. that she told her mom that she's a virgin. Right. So. Well, I don't think her mom trusts her. I guess. Do so, you really think Angela has juicy sweetness, though? Ew. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Oh. Now, her friend, I could see having juicy sweetness. Okay, again, do I need to hurt you? It's like bubblicious, right? What is wrong with you? 
<laughs> or or no, gushers. Oh my god. You ever had one of those? That's what that's what Sharon's new nickname is gonna be, it's Gushers. Gross. Brian Krakow's crackhead. She can be gushers. God, you are such a boy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> gross, gross, gross. Okay, go ahead. Um I'm all derailed now. Okay. You're, you're like a uh, Okay, wait, 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 wait. You're wait, like wait. a commuter train out of Virginia. <laughs> derailed. <laughs> So the mom takes these um, things back to the teacher. Now the dad has met, yeah. yeah, The dad has met Mr. Racine. Yeah, Racine. When when he picked up the poems, Mm -hmm. and he liked him. He said that's when he's telling the mom like, "Oh, he's a cool teacher," you know. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes to him, and he's all he flirts with her. He does, which is weird. Um, I guess. (laughs) Well, it just I didn't like it. Oh, you didn't like it? No. You know he he. Probably kissed another chick. Yeah. We haven't established, but... I'm sure, but I I don't have to like it. Yeah, basically he says, oh, he's a lucky guy. Yeah. And he says, oh, you know, oh, he had a problem with that poem. He seems very fragile or something like that. Yeah, he's like putting him down. He does does insinuate he's not a man. Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, I'm the one who had a problem with it. Right. Which she did. And... She asked him, too, at the end. She's like, so, did Angela write? Because she's all offended. Like, I don't care if Angela wrote it. That's not what I'm, you know, worried mm-hmm. about. Like, it's it's just not appropriate. And um, he convinces her to go ahead and, and publish it because he's, you know, calling her out for wanting to censor. Correct. Censor for censorship's sake. Right. And uh, so she, she agrees that it's not her call to do that. But he's leaving. It was it was kind of cute to me when she's like, "Is it Angela's poem?" <laughs> and he just like smiles and walks out and doesn't right. tell her. He's like, "Yeah, she's writing about me." Oh, that's what crackhead thinks at the end of the episode. Yeah. Well, you know, you think he's cute, right? He is. Yeah. For an old guy, yeah. For an old guy, he is cute. Anyway, stop shaking your head at me. If you guys could see the look that he is giving me. Stop being all jealous. So, would you let him taste your juicy sweetness? Would you stop with the juicy sweetness? <laughs> oh my god, now I'm picturing juicy juicy fruit gum. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Juicy fruit. Bubblicious is the juicier of the gum, but juicy fruit actually is yeah. juicy in the title. Anyway. Um, Bubble tape. Mr. Racine gets in big trouble. He does. Because when... Sort the, of. That's the, what it looks like. Would you like to tell them? No, go ahead. When the when the lit because I'm just joking. Go ahead. <laughs> I want something to throw at you. Okay. Oh wait, here I found it. Ah, my torso. Jesus. Go ahead. So everybody is grabbing copies of this, and it's like. It seems like uh, word has gotten around about this poem because... Everyone's reading it. Everyone is, you know, very intently reading this this lit magazine. And the principal rips one out of one of the secretary's hands, which is so rude. Apparently, these secretaries need a good erotic novel or something. Right? And um, walks into his office and shuts the door. And like two seconds later, he's like... I want to see Mr. Racine after the last bell or something. Yeah, that's the fastest I've ever seen a principal masturbate. Because <laughs> he closes the door. It's it's very close. 
<laughs> but anyway, so uh, yeah, he see he wants to see him because he's pissed. I'm just saying it had to have been on that page when he grabbed it. Yeah, the, I mean, that's my guess. Um, but how did they all know that fast? I don't know. Word got out. Hey, turn to this page. Hey, turn to this page. <laughs> I'd be turning to the freaking paper doll people page because that was a way better poem. It was a better poem, but it's it's less it's it's more cerebral. It's less visceral. <laughs> Anyways, um, the next day, I believe it's the next day when the uh, it seems weird actually because it seems like it should be the same day. Doesn't Down it? by the bay, <laughs> where the watermelons grow. <laughs> Either way, the kids show up to class, and right. uh, instead of Mr. Racing, the principal is there. Yeah. And he tells them he will be uh, teaching the class until Racing gone! Right, until a suitable replacement is found. Right. And um, Racine has literally just been fired, obviously, because he's walking out. They call, they see him. They run to the windows. There's this big emotional, Mr. Racine, don't leave Oh, Captain, us. my Captain. Right? Um, and the principal's all yelling at him to get away from the windows, so yeah. They um, run out there, Angela and, and Rayanne and Ricky run yeah. out there. And he's like, they're like, is it true? Did he fire you? I can't believe this. But he actually quit, we find out later. Well, he goes, why? Because injustice like that doesn't happen? Mm. Grow up, you fucking losers. And then he leaves. Yeah, he was kind of mean. He was. And um, she, she like, freaking, she she gets all scandalized and upset uh, about the fact that the principal says that no one can have a copy of the lit. Yeah, it's being destroyed, basically. And if anyone's seen... Distributing it, they're going to get suspended. Well, not even. I don't mean. It was just having it. I think, and but she, she, she no, it was distributing. Well, I mean that was part of it, but but uh, but you might be right. He might have said just having it. But either way, what Angela decides to do, like as a protest, is to distribute to make a, make copies of it and pass it out. So she skips two classes, not even just one, two classes to make copies. Yeah, but you're skipping some things. Okay, what am I skipping? Well, before she does this, she goes to see him. I, was that and, before? I thought it was after. Oh, no, you're right. You're right, because that's where they find out. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So, I'm wrong. You're right. Anyways. You should see the smile on her face. <laughs> I said that. She, um, she starts distributing it because she doesn't, you know, she's like protesting the censorship. You're right. The one thing that did happen, I guess, is that we find out that Sharon is the one that wrote it. Oh, yeah. Sharon and Rayanne are in the bathroom together. And Rayanne's like, oh, my God, you know, I'd be, like, uh, mortified if people thought I didn't write it because everyone thinks she wrote it. Right. And so they got, they basically kind of agree. They come to a gentleman's agreement that <laughs> uh, Rayanne will take credit for it and Sharon won't. Well, Rayanne's Ray- boyfriend's, or Sharon's boyfriend's got to know. Because I, I assume she's still dating that uh, Jack guy. Yeah. Well, that, that likes her breasts. Yeah. And her juicy sweetness. Ugh. I want to think about her juicy sweetness. I guess I'm definitely about. not a lesbian because <laughs> that right. does not in any way arouse me. Okay. Um. <laughs> so we were talking about, before the frickin' juicy sweetness again, we were talking about the dis- distribution of censored material. Correct. <laughs> So um, she gets called into the principal's office, and her parents get called, and and she's thinks she's going to be suspended. 
Right. She wants to be suspended because she's doing this in protest. She wants to be a martyr. Right. And he doesn't suspend her. No. He looks at her, at her record, and he kind of, you know, he's like, I'm not going to suspend you. I think this is a one-time aberration or whatever. I'm willing to let it go, blah, blah, blah. Well, he says that he thinks that uh, Mr. Racine gave you some messed up ideas about right and wrong or something like yeah. that. Like, he's blaming him. Yeah. Um, you can tell he just doesn't want the hassle or the headache of yeah. suspending her. Well, and both her parents are there in, like, support of her and stuff. Right. So, yeah. So, who was it her? <laughs> My new co-host, an owl. <laughs> <laughs> was it her dad who talks to him? Like, how do we find out about Mr. Racine quitting? That's I, I can I kind of remember, but I think it was her. Yeah, her dad talks to the principal. Yeah, no, I, that is right. So I was right. That was, does was, happen before she. That was okay. Yes, it does no, happen before. She doesn't. She doesn't talk to Mr. Racine before though. She talks to him last. Uh, I think so. Anyway, so we might be going out of order, but the dad goes and talks and everything. He's like, oh, trust me, he's been fired. It's been taken care of. You're good. And he's like, you know, no, he doesn't say you've been fired, but he's like, he's not going to be teaching her anymore. It's it's all good. You know? Right. And he's like, you know, I don't, I don't understand. He's like, I, I think it's wrong to fire him for, for this and everything. And, Censorship, he says something, I don't know, I, I was in the 60s, he says. And, and the principal says, no, I didn't I didn't get the pleasure to fire him. He quit when I showed him this. And then he's like, and then he's like, here, let me tell you all about this guy's private information. Right. Seems like a complete violation of laws. But he got a, a subpoena to appear in court because he hasn't paid child support because he's a fucking deadbeat. So you what know, do you think about that? And it's weird, too, because he actually says that he abandoned his family. Yeah. But he acts like it's in the, the subpoena. <laughs> right, exactly. The subpoena's written like a screenplay. Yeah, I mean... After abandoning his like, family. All you know is he's not paying child support. Right. You don't know he abandoned his family. Maybe his although, wife kicked although, him out. Although he has to appear in New Hampshire, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah, all, the, all we know is that... Is that he doesn't live near his family anymore, and he doesn't pay child support. Okay, so I mean, I guess there's not a ton of ways to take that, but... No, I mean, he could have left his family, or... I mean, they could have just gotten divorced, and he just moved away. Right. Maybe he sees his kids in the summer. Like, Yeah, maybe, who knows? Maybe he was between jobs. He's a substitute. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I know there's no excuse for deadbeats or whatever, but... Right. I just think that, you know... It's possible he might have had an excuse. Maybe he caught his wife with a man sampling her juicy sweetness. Oh, my Lord, with the sweetness. <laughs> so anyway, she, uh, so Angela goes to see him. and Because basically, the dad tells the mom, and he's like, I don't know what we're going to do. And she's like, well, tell Angela. She can handle it. Yeah. Which I think was wrong. Yeah, but it turns out it's it's going to work out for them, I guess. I guess. Um, Angela chooses then to go and see him. Right. She looked him up in the phone book. Yeah, he's in the phone book. Although he's under an assumed name. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird because the subpoena was for a different name than the one he was using. Yeah, it, he, he, he calls himself Victor Racine. Vic. And I guess his name is... Thomas Victor or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Thomas Victor whatever. And then 
it's, you know, or Vic Racine. Right. Yeah, it's weird. So, yeah, I don't know how she found him either. And it looks like he's leaving. Like, he is packing his bags. What is it? Like, they? oh, they found me. I've got to move on? Like, what? what is Apparently, this? that's what... It's like he's the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> so, he's just traveling from town to town, trying to... Instead of trying to outrun a reporter that's going to, uh, you know, arrest him for the death of Richard Kimball or whatever. Uh, it's... Or not Richard Kimball. Um, uh, damn it, I can't remember the Incredible Hulk's real name. That Lou Ferrigno show and Bill Bixby. But anyway, uh, instead of outrunning a reporter that's going to find him, he's outrunning his uh, child support. Right. But um, she, you know, in in it's television, so she shows up right as he's packing his bags to leave. Yeah, he's leaving. And Skipping town. she asks him, like, why did you abandon your family or something like that? She's like, I heard you did that. Or, you know. <laughs> I heard you did that. <laughs> And, um, I don't know, the whole, the whole thing's weird. Like, she seems kind of stalkery, like, just let him be. Yeah. But he gives her a ride home. I, well, I don't really remember him saying much in his own defense or anything. He doesn't say, he says, he says it was, he was seeking freedom. Yeah. And he's like, my, my, my quest for freedom is mine. You know, I'm not explaining it to you, blah, 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 blah. And he says, you, you know, you should leave high school. Should escape. Oh yeah. Should escape that gingerbread prison you're in and just get out. And she's like, "Drop out of high school." He's like, "Yes." Yeah. What Drop a dick. And she's like, "I don't think leaving high school is the answer. I don't think leaving anything is the answer." Right. And he gives her a ride home, and then Crackhead says, "Wow, well, would you fuck him?" Or something no, he's like, like "What well, is there any car you won't get into?" Yeah. What a dick. Yeah, but he's, they're both dicks. Mister Racine and Crackhead. Both dicks. All guys are dicks. I'm just in a mood right now. And then, wow, yeah. Sorry, no juicy sweetness for me. But <laughs> um, so he, uh, yeah, he says, yeah, he basically says, oh, you know, I, how am I supposed to know who you're fucking and who you're not? You know, she's like, it's none of your business. But I'm not having sex with him. And she goes inside. Yeah. And he goes on his bike to rub his boner against the seat of his bike. Oh. To get off, because that's why he's always riding his bike. That's so uh, gross. <laughs> no, I just, he's, he is, I hate him so much. <laughs> he is the worst character. He is the absolute worst. He's so petty and jealous and dorky and stupid. And judgmental. Oh, I hate him. Yeah. Yeah, he's not cool. Not cool at all. No. He has no chill. No chill. All right, so that's that's all the end of my so-called life. Yeah, and then Jordan, uh, someone's like crackhead, says something like, "Ah, oh, he sucked. He was a bad teacher." And Jordan's like, "He's a best. He was the best I ever had in my life." Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> he, he, he like jumped up out of his chair. He right. was like, "That was the best teacher I ever had." Right. He was. Ah, don't you talk about him, crackhead? Well, yeah, because he was actually trying to teach him how to read. Yeah. Poor Jordan. I know. So we'll see what happens with Jordan. I hope he gets to learn to read. Yeah, he's he's good looking enough. That doesn't really matter. I think it doesn't matter how good. Look. I mean, sure, you can get away with being like slow if you're pretty, but to be illiterate, I mean, that's a hard life. I guess. Um, <clears throat> I mean, what, how's he gonna date? Hey, baby, read me the menu. <laughs> Maybe he just picks something that he likes, and he gets that every place he goes. And then he'll find one place that doesn't have it. Or he'll say, what are your specials? I'll have that. (laughs) 
Oh, that's like what I did in uh, in Mexico. I learned some key things, key key foods that I just ordered everywhere I went. It's cool. Yeah, burrito, like, <laughs> la cerveza. That's beer. I know that. <laughs> and um, no leche. No or, milk. Right. I don't like milk. Um, cafe. Coffee. Bl- <laughs> cafe negra. Uh, no black, leche, por favor. Black coffee. Yeah. No milk. Right. Please. Um. Wow. Yeah. Goodness. Right? Hey, okay, so I guess people aren't trying to, like, learn Spanish when they're listening to our tapes, though, so. <laughs> so, we watched a movie. It was entirely in Spanish, though, so we're going to go through <laughs> it now. Uh, no leche? Uh, no. We watched a film, like I said, uh, kind of a Halloween feel to it, called Ed Wood. <laughs> Uh, Carol, are you familiar with, with Edward Wood? Um, not before I saw this movie. So, for those of you that are not aware, Ed Wood was a director in the 50s. Uh, he made, and, the, and the, I think the early 60s too, he made what is widely considered one of the worst films, or the worst film of all time, Plan 9 from Outer Space. It's one of those legendary, if you've never seen it, uh, I think they have, they might, it might be on tape now, or they might have plans to bring it to tape now. Uh, every once in a while, a movie theater, like an art, we have a art house movie theater by us, and every once in a while, they'll have movies like that, that they bring, that they bring over to there, and, um, you know, you can see it in the theater. But if you have the opportunity to see Plan 9 from Outer Space, you should. It is, it's one of those movies that's so bad it's good because it's it's hilarious, unintentionally very funny. Yeah, I mean it, it looks pretty bad. So this movie is about the life of Ed Wood, the director, and how he became friends with Bella Lugosi, and uh, how he started making his films, how he was allowed to make movies, <laughs> and. How he started doing it and the, the 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 group of misfits that he he assembled. So it, this reminds me a little bit of John Waters. Okay. Are you familiar with John Waters? I am not. So John Waters made uh, shampoo. Or no, not shampoo. Hairspray. Sorry. Hairspray. The uh, the the movie with Divine. Uh, you know, and uh, I can't remember who else is in that movie. But um, he also made, oh, I can't remember. Divine was one of one of the people that he used a lot in his productions. I'm trying to remember some of the other movies. That he, oh, he, John Waters did Serial Mom. Okay. Which we watched. Yeah. But he, John Waters would collect this group of, I mean, affectionately, not, not, not in a, in a like derisive way, but freaks. So, like, Divine was a dude that dressed up like a woman. Okay. And just, like, very... I don't know exactly how to describe it. There's this movie, and I can't... I wish I could remember the name of the movie, but I cannot remember the name of the movie. But it's basically about her life, and she's... Or Divine. Divine. Like, the main character that she's playing. Uh, She's trying to... When she's winning an award for like the filthiest person in the America or something like that. Okay. And she's like, she's something like, uh, you know, you want to know my politics? She's like, uh, uh, mass murder, uh, cannibalism, K 
kill, uh, you know, like this is just all this stuff. Those are my politics. That's how I live. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, get whatever you need. And then she starts posing for, <laughs> for pictures and stuff like that. It's, but it's so John Waters, he filmed the way he makes these movies is not to exploit Divine. Mm-hmm. You know, not like, hey, look at this freak. Let's laugh at her. That's not how the movies are framed. That's not how, that's not the point of view that he's using. That's not how they're filmed. Okay. It's out of love. Look at this interesting person. Isn't she, he, whatever, isn't she interesting? Uh-huh. Isn't, uh, you know, like, like it's out of love, basically. Okay. Like John Waters loves these eclectic types of people. He's also an eclectic type of person. Right. Ed Wood, I think it's the same thing. Okay. He, you can tell that, so if, you, if you're talking about the real person... You can tell he loves Bella Lugosi. Right. He loves uh, the Elvira. Well, I can't remember Vampira. I think that's what it was. Uh-huh. Uh So he, he loves her. He loves you know all the different actors. All these people are they're terrible actors and everything. But he has a love of these people. Right. And and Johnny Depp who plays Ed Wood in the movie. And I remember I had buried last time we talked about I buried I buried Johnny Depp's career. After, <laughs> after, what was it? What's eating Gilbert Grape? Right. But I have to say, he is excellent in this movie. Oh, yeah. And he really conveys that love mm-hmm. for these people. Uh, Bill Murray plays this guy that wants to, is a guy that wants to become a woman. That wants to go to, I think it's Mexico or someplace, to have surgery to, to become a woman. Right. And... You know, so he's one of the the people that's featured in his movies and, and things like that. He makes friends with Bela Lugosi, who he who he, whom he admires greatly, who is just a completely strung out heroin addict. Yeah, at this point in his life, that's the sad part. And but he but there's so much love for these people, right? And that's that's like Johnny Depp. So the strength of this movie, because it's, it's the movie's pretty simple. Plot-wise, you know, there's twists and turns and things happen, but basically it's about Ed Wood's life, who he was, how he collected his rogues gallery or whatever of people that he worked with, how he was allowed to make movies, and the movies that he made. And, I mean, that's basically, there's the plot for you of the movie. And it's also about how he liked to dress in women's clothes, Mm -hmm. which was also a real thing in his life. He wasn't gay. Uh, he didn't want to become a woman like his friend did. He just liked dressing in women's clothes. Okay. So, you know, it's about it's a little bit about that too, and it's a little bit about the psychology of of Ed Wood, who he was as a person. But the strength of the movie is the performances. Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, absolutely great. Uh, Karloff. <laughs> <laughs> Garloff can suck my cock. <laughs> it's just like, he is, he is hilarious and just, it's a, I don't know if it's an impersonation, I don't know how much studying he did of Bela Lugosi, but it's fantastic. Um, and, and Johnny Depp is, is great. We, he's got this, you know, he's like, I don't think Ed Wood talked like Johnny Depp talks in this movie. Great. Really good. You know, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like that stuff. But, it's, it, you know, it's it's also the reason the movie's in black and white. So that this movie's shot in black and white. The, the reason he's doing it is 
the movie's almost framed like it's an Ed Wood movie. <laughs> like, right. Like, um, uh, Tim Burton directs this as if he's directing in the style of Ed Wood. And I think the performances are like that. Like, Johnny Depp's performance is all, hey, gang, let's go, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because he, it's a caricature, basically. And I, but it works. In, in a lot of movies, it wouldn't work. But playing it that way works for this character in this movie. Now, can we can we talk a minute about the direction of this movie? Because mm-hmm. do you remember Airheads? Yeah. You know what I read? No. What would you read? Michael Lehman, who directed Airheads, mm-hmm. was originally supposed to direct this. Wow. You, I, know, you know the most amazing thing about that fact? What? Is that you remembered his name. <laughs> it's because I wrote it down. But yeah. Uh, I, I that just, is weird. Yeah. I just... I can't imagine it being done by anyone else. I mean, this is definitely a Tim Burton movie. Absolutely. And, and and Ed Wood as a person is a Tim Burton type of person. Right. <laughs> yeah, like I mean Airheads was a great movie. It was funny for sure. But I if we saw this movie like in if it was similar to Airheads, it wouldn't have been good. Yeah, it's Airheads and this are so different. Right. They're both funny. And they both, you know, they both, I mean, they both have their serious-ish side, I guess. I mean, Herod's doesn't really ever get serious. It talks no. a little bit about, you know, some serious issues, I guess. Not really. But, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, I can't imagine, and I don't know, maybe maybe Michael Lehman's version of this or, or vision of this would have been similar-ish to what Tim Burton did, I guess. Maybe. maybe. I don't know, but that's, I mean, it's hard to say because Tim Burton has such a unique vision for anything that he right. does. Whether it's Batman or Edward Scissorhands or, or any movies that he makes, it, it's he's very he's a very unique director. Yes. And this, like you said, clearly has his stamp on it. Mm-hmm. This is his movie, for sure. Because it feels like Edward Scissorhands. It does a little bit, yes. And, I mean, Johnny Depp again, you know. Yeah, it's a hyper-realistic world. This isn't... So, this isn't... A pure biography, right? You know, the, I I don't know the exact the exact facts of Ed Wood's life. Mm-hmm. You know how everything played out. I know he liked to dress in women's clothes. I know he was married to someone at one point, and then they got divorced, and he started dating somebody else. I know he was friends with Bella Lugosi, and I know that you know that guy that we see at the beginning of the film where he's like. He's like, ah, people want to see violence and tits, you know, in movies and stuff (laughs) like that. You know, he's like, you know, you need to make this for me and everything. He's like, I'll give you a chance. You know, we got, you got uh, two weeks to make a picture, you know, that's going to make, you know, you make it for 50 bucks. It makes uh, 300 bucks. That's, that's how they, that's how he does things, right? Uh He's like a clearly very low budget type guy. And, you know, that's, so that's where he kind of gets a start. I know that's true too. They got to start there. But everything else, I think, is probably embellished or changed or whatever, because this isn't, it's not meant to be seen as like a pure biography of like, here's a point by point of Ed Wood's life. That's not the point of this movie. Mm-hmm. The point of this movie is, you know, it's, it's hyper realistic. It's, it's, like I said, it's stylized. It's, it's to encapsulate the feel of an Ed Wood movie uh-huh. about Ed Wood, but not, you know, it's not, it's not meant to be like, now I know Ed Wood's life story right. kind of thing. 
Uh, but it's it's fascinating, and it, it like like I said, it, you know, it's all about the, these different things that they do. You know, at one point he's looking for because he's always looking for funding. He's always looking for money. At one point, uh, he convinces all his hangers-on and everything to get baptized, including <laughs> Bill Murray's character and stuff like that. You know, and they were like, "Do you accept uh, Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior?" And Bill Murray's like, "Why not?" <laughs> 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 Bill Murray's very funny in this film. Yeah. In the very small small bits that he gets. But yeah, the the strength of it is the performances. Performances For sure. are, are fantastic. And Tim Burton, you know, once again, that style, and it's that Halloweenish type style. Mm-hmm. It just it infuses everything in the film. It really it's it's a little special gem. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. It was it was really it was really good. Really enjoyable. Oh, well, that is our episode for the week. We will end this week as we end every week with our Blockbuster Pick of the Week. Guess what, Carol? What? Blockbuster Pick of the Week, for me anyway, and I'm pretty sure for you because there's really nothing else that's uh, that's come out. I mean, I guess Jurassic Park comes out October 4th on VHS. I, I rent it, I guess. If you, I mean, if you haven't seen it, but man, if you haven't seen it and you didn't see it in the movie theater... Oh man, see it on the big screen. Still, but yeah, I mean, it's but still, still rented again. I mean, yeah, but still a big screen. That's the way to see this picture. Yeah, for sure. But uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, Tim Burton again. Yep, right in time for <laughs> right in time for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I, a very enjoyable movie, I think. Super cute. Yeah, very. It's you know, it's one of those where making Christmas. <laughs> it's kind of for kids. But not it's also really. kind of not for kids. It's a very like it's a stop motion type of clay claymationy type of animation, uh, you know, about Jack Skellington. Yeah, and he's the mayor or the leader or whatever of Halloween Town or Halloween Village or whatever. Right, and then they want Christmas. Yeah, they 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 feel that their holiday isn't important enough or whatever and they want they want to take over Christmas. Mm-hmm. They want to take over other holidays. And they, they have these these portals to all these other holidays. It would be so interesting to see like them go to like Thanksgiving town or Fourth of July right? town and stuff too. Yeah, I know. That but be cool. uh super cool movie. We should make that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Su- super cute super cute film. Uh, I, I enjoy it. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth a rent. Yes. Uh, if you like Tim Burton in any way, you'll like this movie. And you've listened to this much of us talking about Tim Burton, so I'm guessing you do. Right. So that is our episode for the day. Carol, take us home. All right, everybody. With your juicy sweetness. Oh, duh. <laughs> Leave us some stars and um, tell people to listen to us <gasps> and leave us some money if you can. And if you can't, just enjoy. Right. All right. Have a good night, everyone. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.